wanted to just say how cool it is to hear how many things are going on in the next two weeks. And for some of us, it might be like, oh, that's a lot. That's quite busy. And I felt like God say, busyness is a sign of life. But we've got to be careful because it's only really life if God's in it. And so we can all rush off and do all these things and, and look busy. And I'm saying to take the pressure off. We're not here to look busy. We're here to follow God. So you need to listen to all those messages and go to the ones that you feel God has for you. Because you never know. You can go to, a, a, what was that, a bacon roll with the guys, and it could be life-changing for the guys, not for the girls. For the ladies, you can get cake. I'm struggling with that choice. Those are both strong favorites of mine, so hopefully Kate can bring me some leftovers. Uh, but I just wanted to encourage us that there's so much going on and it is just signs of life and just to plug in. But anyway, that was not my message. So let me get into my message. So um, let me start the timer. I'm starting the timer, but I feel like the timer is not going to work today, just to warn you guys. So get comfy. Um, but Christine was sharing. Where's Christine? She was here a second ago. There she is. She was talking about sin. And during the worship, I felt God say to me, your title of your message this morning is Sin. So that's why I went to Devon. I was like, Devon, I think we've got it now. Like, this is God. We better listen. But, but this is part two. We started a series last week um, called Walking Intentionally with God um, or Living Like Abraham. And, uh, and this week, I felt God saying, last week we spoke about, you know, we've been digging wells. And last week it was about friendship and friendship being actually through obedience to God. And, uh, and this morning he wanted to move me on. And I was saying to God, so you know when I pull up my phone during a sermon, it means that God changed my sermon. But anyway, um, so God was talk to, I was talking to God yesterday. And I was saying to him, I love the message. I love what you're wanting to do. But it feels so dry. It feels so practical. There's a lot of scripture, but, but I'm not sure I'm balancing it well with, with personal experience. Big mistake. Because then God decided to give me some personal experience. So if you haven't been in Josh Jen very long, this might be a little bit unusual to you. But in Josh Jen, it is biblical, but we strongly believe in, in repentance of sin and for elders, of which I am one, we believe in the public repentance of sin. And so I'm starting off my message this morning by repenting. Um, and I'm smiling because it's not a heavy for me. I'm smiling because I've already sorted it out with God. And that's why I could stand before Him this morning and I could worship Him with my full of, fullness of my heart because I've sorted it out with God. And God said, yes, but you wanted a practical thing to use. Here is your practical thing to use. So because you guys are now wondering what it is. The sin that I struggle with, the thing that I pray for every day in my quiet times is frustration. So it's not like I'm robbing banks or anything, don't worry. But I struggle with frustration. And when frustration grows, it becomes anger. And I don't own a dog, which is very unfortunate because every now and then I have to kick the proverbial dog because I don't have a real one. But... but <laughs> I would not kick a dog. I'm not saying I would kick a dog. I'm saying I get, ang I get frustrated. And so this morning, I would not kick an actual dog. No. That's why I said the proverbial dog. 
Um, so this morning I woke up, and, um, and I'm having my quiet time, and it was cold, so I put a blanket around me, and I've been wrestling with the Psalms, and I love David because sometimes he's happy and sometimes he's not so happy. And I was reading one of his Psalms this morning, and his Psalm was matching my sense of just, I had this discontent in me this morning, just this frustration. There are things that have been happening, and I just, I'm wrestling through with God. And I ended my quiet time with the blanket over my head instead of around my shoulders, and just like in anguish of, God, what are you wanting to do? What are you trying to say? Um, and just getting frustrated. And it's something Devon warned me about yesterday. Devon phoned me yesterday. And he's like, listen, God's given me a word. I just want to share the word for you, with you, um, which was very helpful and supportive. But in a sense, we're in this battle. And when there's battle and there's an enemy, and we're all, myself included, we're all works in progress. And so this morning, just soften your heart. Whatever it is that God wants to speak to you about, for some of you it might be a big thing. For some of you it might be a small thing. Some of you might be looking at me going, okay, Ian, but what was your sin? I know you said frustration, but we're all frustrated at times. So what was your sin? But, but the reality is that, and I'll get into it, and I'll walk you through that later. But that, for me, was something that isn't God-glorifying. It misses what God has for me. Um, so like I mentioned, last week we started the series and we were speaking about obedience. Um, and the one thing I felt to remind us of as a recap was one of the amazing things about being a friend of God is the privilege of knowing that He knows you, that He knows me. Because there's a scripture, there's, there's a point where Jesus says in Matthew 7, he says, there are those that are going to get to the end of their days and they're going to approach God and they're going to say all the things they did for him. And he's going to say, I never knew you. I mean, there's nothing worse for a Christian to hear than for God to say, I never knew you. We all want to get there and hear a good and faithful servant. And that is, that, is the, that is part of the foundation of if you want to be a friend of God, you need to follow God. And we're talking about walking and, and following God. You need to be obedient to what God has for you. Otherwise, whatever you do, you can go to all the meetings we're going to have in the next two weeks and kind of tick the box and be like, hey, God, look what I've been doing. And God will say, but you didn't do that for me. You did that for you. And so it doesn't count. So where I wanted to go to this morning was that friendship with God is about our heart condition. It's about where our heart is at. Which means that everything on the outside can look good. We can get to everything. We can do everything. We can tithe. We can worship. We can read our Bibles. But if our heart is not for God... That's what he cares about. And, and God gave me a building analogy. For those that uh, have been in a building project, I know some of us are busy with the building project. They're amazing <laughs> in how they test us. But I felt God say to me, when we think God is more interested in the talents and the gifts that he's given us, when we think he's more interested in that 
than how we use it. Not that we use it, because everybody will use their talents. But, but if we think he's more interested in the talent and that we use it, then how we use it for his glory, then it's kind of like building a house and caring more about the money we're paying the builder than we care about the building that the, build, the builder's building. <laughs> I mean, you're exchanging what you've got for what you want. And God's doing the same thing with us. He's exchanging what he has for us into what he wants us to do with it. And so it's not good enough just to say, I can. God wants you to actually do, and he wants you to do it with the right heart. And, um, and so it's very much about how we approach God. And so talking about sin this morning, and I'm going to explain what that means, but, but talking about sin, the point isn't did we or didn't we and have we stopped. The point is, have we gone to God with it? Have we taken it to God? Have we taken it to our, to our Father? Have we taken it to our Master and said, I've fallen short. Please help me. Or you can be like Israel. So going back to last week, there was Moses and there was Israel. And they all saw the same mountain. They all saw the same scary stuff going on top of the mountain. Because God is scary in the fullness of his glory. He is overwhelming. And Moses said, I want to be his friend. <laughs> and Israel said, we'll be your friend. <laughs> you be his friend. And because of that, because of how Moses was willing to approach God, God blessed him with friendship. But because Israel didn't, God burdened them with the law. And the funny thing about the law is, if we go before Moses, and we look at a guy like, we were looking last week about Abraham, and, and even um, what Devon was saying this morning about when, when Abraham met Melchizedek, there was no law that said give 10%, but he recognized God on him, and he recognized God's heart for finances and for honoring who, God's people. And so before the law, there was tithing. Here's another interesting example. Joseph, before the law, Joseph found himself in a compromising position, and he ran away from Potiphar's wife. But there was no law that said he must, but he knew right and wrong because he knew God. And so to be a friend of God is to know God's rules and God's laws without even reading them in Scripture, but to know them in our hearts. The Bible says if you, if you read it and you pray and you ask the Spirit, the Spirit will remind you because it's His, it's His words that He's given to us. So with that, let's look at some Scripture. So we can go to Psalm 25. So we're going to read, we're going to read a few lines of this. Um, and this is all about, before I read it, this scripture, Psalm 25, it's all about finding God's path. And there's some key points in there that we'll get to. So he says, show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me. For you are God, my Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. 
Remember, O Lord, your great mercy and love, for they are from of old. Remember not the sins of my youth and my rebellious ways. It's interesting. He says, the sins of my youth. I'm going to come back to that. And my rebellious ways. According to your love, remember me, for you are good, O Lord. Don't remember my sin. Remember me. Okay, we can keep going. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in his ways. He guides the humble in what is right and teaches them his ways. A little bit more. All the ways of the Lord, all the ways of the Lord are loving and faithful for those who keep the demands of his covenant. So you can go back to the previous previous one and just leave it there. So in that, in that passage of Scripture, and David loved talking about God's paths. He does it more than once. But it's an important thing for us to understand is that if we want to walk with God, we need to follow God. If we want to follow God, it's a lot easier if you use the paths that God has for us. If you want to drive from here to town, it's going to be a lot easier if you get out onto the R27 and follow the road. You also have the option of driving on the beach. You also have the option of driving next to the road, like my kids do when they're playing PS4. Um, but the easiest way to get to town is on the road. And it's the same with God. The easiest way to walk with God is to walk in his path that he's laid out for you. It's going to be a lot, it's going to be a lot smoother, less rubble, less rocks, um, no possibility of driving into the ocean. But he says here, there, there are a few key things that God says here in his scripture. And he says, he says, remember not the sins, you can leave it there, he says, remember not the sins of my youth. This is David pleading with God saying, I am a sinner. And because of that, he then goes on to say, therefore, no, go back, sorry, you were good. Therefore, he instructs sinners in his ways. Now, nowadays, in our current culture, it's not, it's, not, it's not nice to talk about sin. It's not nice to talk about getting stuff wrong. We all want to be, be told we're doing a great job and well done and keep going. But the reality is that in God's eyes, there is perfection, and we are not there. And so we need to understand that we are sinners. Now, being a sinner is not a disqualification. I was talking to God this morning. I was like, okay, now what do I do? I'm supposed to preach this morning, but I feel like I'm disqualified from preaching this morning. And God said to me, but you're not disqualified if you've repented. You're not disqualified if you've turned back to me. And so some of you might be sitting here this morning saying, does that mean it's all for nothing? If, it, if it's not good enough just to fake it on the outside. I thought coming to church was about being looking good on the outside and sorting out my other stuff. As long as I keep it hidden, I'm good. And God's saying, no, you got to get right with him. And so the question then comes, well then, if he instructs the sinners in his ways, who are the sinners? Who are the sinners amongst us? And we can put up the next scripture, which is Romans 3. 
<laughs> and it's really easy because whenever you read your Bible and it says all, it's a direct translation of the word in the Greek meaning all. <laughs> all have sinned, every single one of us, and have fallen short of the glory of God. If you take that in the NLT, it says, for everyone has sinned. We all, like he says we, including himself, says Paul, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. Uh-oh, God's got a standard, but he does. God's got a standard. So who is a sinner? We all sinners, says so very clearly. What is sin? Not meeting God's standard. And then somebody will say to me, okay, great. So what's God's standard? I'm like, well, that's where it gets complicated. God's standard is whatever he's told you to do. And some of those things he's told you in the Bible, don't kill people, don't steal stuff, don't want other people's stuff. Some of that stuff, some of those things he's told you for you and you alone. Go to church. Be there early. Set up the equipment. No, God, I don't feel like it. But I've asked you to. Here's a talent. You can play the guitar. Go and use it. No, God, but I don't like being up front. People will see me. But I've asked you to. It's not in the Bible. The Bible doesn't say if you don't pick up your guitar. <laughs> but God might. I was meeting with somebody this week who is struggling with a terminal illness. And it's amazing the clarity that you get when you're facing death. And I was talking to this person and I was, I was asking how they're doing. And the answer was, it's all pointless. What was the point? Like, it all just fades away. And that is scripture. <laughs> so I literally had somebody quote scripture to me or paraphrase scripture to me. And I could say, but that's scripture. That's Ecclesiastes. And outside of God, when we come to the end of our lives, that is what we will say. And even with God, there are going to be portions of our life that we're going to look back on and say, what was I thinking? In light of the end of life, in light of eternity, why did I waste my time, my effort, my thoughts on that thing? What was I thinking? And so here's the scary thing, looking at this scripture. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There's one thing that's very clear from that scripture. We can't get away from sin without God. If we're not willing to walk with God and do what He's asking us to do, we can't get away from our sin. And so here's a scary thought, and I'm jumping ahead. 
we can't walk with God and with our sin. So this morning, whatever God's convicting you of, and it's not me, I promise, whatever God's speaking to you about, where he's saying, that is not my glorious standard for you, that doesn't glorify me, whatever that thing is, God is saying, you now have a choice. You can choose it, or you can choose me, but you can't have both, because I can't be with you if you want to be with it. So we want to walk with God, then we have to choose, because we also want to walk with our sin. I remember somebody saying a while ago, If sin wasn't enjoyable, it wouldn't be sin. We don't do these things because we're trying to hurt God's feelings. We do them because they're enjoyable. And so now we've got to choose because we want to walk with God, but we also want to walk in those things. And here's here's an example of that fight. So this is out of Ephesians 4. You can put it up on the screen. And the heading for this passage is called The New Life. So I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God. And not just from the life of God, they're separated from God because He is life. Because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to the sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. Is there more to that? You, however, did not come to know Christ that way. Surely you heard of him and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. And you can leave that up there. It doesn't get much clearer than that. But here's something interesting that you might not have picked up along the way. So he says here, you must no longer walk. Okay, so I'm scripturally correct when I say we can choose to walk with God or walk with sin. The Bible talks about walking. But then it says, these unsaved people, it says Gentiles in this case, but it's, it's talking about the unsaved. It says here, they're walking in the futility of their minds. Further on, it talks about due to the hardness of their hearts. And then it finishes off here with corrupted by its deceitful desires. And so what I want to say to you is what's very interesting with this passage of Scripture is that it balances very well with Jesus when somebody said to him, somebody very smart said to him, which is the greatest commandment? And he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your spirit. And Paul takes that, whether he knew it or not, and he takes and he writes the Scripture and he says, the futility of their minds the hardness of their heart, and deceitful desire. And so what is sin? 
Sin is anything in your head, in your heart, or in your spirit that is not of God. And that is why when Jesus came, he said, Moses, the law says, do not murder. I say, if you get angry, it's murder. No, but God, how can you say that? That's unfair. We all get angry. Yes, and it's sin. Because you can sin with your mind, even if you don't sin with your body. Even if you don't act out on it. And here's another scary thought. So Moses walking with, with God in the desert, and they're messing up really badly. And I don't think they knew they'd been messing up for 400 years because for the last 400 years as Israel, they didn't have the law. So they were like, we're doing great. We're God's people. Yay, we're in slavery. It's weird, but yay, we're doing great. And then Moses comes down from the mountain. He's like, these are the rules, guys. You didn't even know you had rules, but these are the rules. And suddenly it was like, oh, my word, we can't do this. And now Moses is getting stressed because Moses is like, God, we actually can't do this. This is impossible. You've given us something impossible to do. And obviously Jesus said anything impossible is possible with God. But, but they didn't know that at the time. So all they know is it's impossible. So, so pretty much weekly, they're going to God saying, did you bring us here to die? And then Moses turns to God and he says, what's the point if you don't go with us, and we're struggling to be with you because we know we're messing up, but if you don't go with us, because God said to them at one point, carry on, I've given you the land, you can have it. And Moses was like, but we don't want the land if you're not there. And Moses said something interesting. He says, what di distinguishes us from the world it's not our beliefs. It's not our morals. It's not that we're conservative. We like to talk about the conservatives versus the liberals. That's not what makes us distinct as Christians. It's not even that we can do miracles. Can I say, if somebody died in this building and we went to them and raised them from the dead, that doesn't mean that we're walking sinlessly with God. Because the gifts of God are irrevocable. So if God's giving you the gift to do a miracle, you can do it. Scary. So, so, so Moses says, we don't even want the fruit because the fruit can be imitated and faked. We need you. The thing that distinguishes us as Israel from the people we're going into, the thing that distinguishes us as the church from the world that we're in is the presence of God. So if we're not walking in the presence of God... Sorry to say it, we've lost our salvation. We've lost our Christianity. We can go to church. We can call ourselves a Christian. But if we're unrepentant in our sin, we can't walk with God. And here's an interesting, interesting thing. And, and I'm talking here about, I'm not talking about you stubbed your toe once. I'm talking about something, and I'm going to get into it. Don't worry. In case you, I'm building up to it because I want you to process what it is that God's putting on your heart. But there's a great analogy that one of the other elders, Mornay, gave on Thursday. And he said, you can step out from under the waterfall and still be in the swimming pool. 
And it's that, that picture of the anointing of God comes from to the top down to us. The anointing of God. We can stay in the anointing of God. And because we're in the anointing of God, we're in the pool of water that the anointing pours out and fills up. And so we can sit and we can enjoy the presence of God. But the scary thing is we can then step out from under the waterfall and still be in the pool. Step out from what God has for us, but still enjoy the fruit. So I've been talking a lot about sin. So, so if you are caught in something that you are struggling to let go of, there's good news. Because Jesus came to set the captives free. That was kind of like if he, if he was a politician and he was running for office, that would have been his poster. You would have seen his picture up on the side of the, the road and to set the captives free. That's why he came. And so for each of us, whatever we're struggling with, it's been done. We celebrated a couple of weeks ago. It's been done. And so we can walk in the fullness of the freedom of God. We don't have to worry about sin anymore. If we give it to God, we can walk away from it. A lot of us are walking around with it on our back, saying, it's not that big. I think I can handle it. And the next time you see them, they've got the backpack on both shoulders. And then the next week, it's like one of those hiking bags where it's like from your head down to your, down to like your ankles or something. Like, no, I can still walk. And then the next time you just see them lying on the ground and the bag's just holding them there and they're pinned to the ground. That's what sin does. It builds up, it builds up, it builds up. So whatever it is, small or big, we just lay it at the cross, and it's gone forever, unless we choose to go back and pick it up again. If we choose to put it down, it's gone forever. And so we need to position ourselves to follow Jesus, or we need to understand that we're positioning ourselves to not follow Jesus. So let's get into something, I call this the cycle of death. Something God taught me a while ago, but it comes out of James 1. And, and this is, uh, let me see, can we go back a slide? Are we missing one? Was that, is that 14? Okay, no, it's just the translation then. Okay. Everyone is tempted when by his own evil desire he is dragged away and enticed. Okay. So step one of the cycle is tempted. Everyone is tempted when by his own evil desire he's dragged away and enticed. And then the second step is desire. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. And we often, as Christians, if we want to put that on a fridge magnet, it's a very strange fridge magnet, but you could make one, we like to say... Sin gives birth to sin, gives birth to death. That's the quote you'll hear people saying. Ah, oh, that's sin. Sin gives birth to sin, gives birth to death. But nobody goes back to the previous verse to be like, where did the sin come from? Oh, no, the sin came from the devil. Because I'm one of God's. So I walk with God, and then, God, and then the devil comes and he nails us with sin. Sorry to correct you. But the Bible doesn't say that. Where does sin come from? Sin comes from here. Where does sin come from? Sin comes from here. The sin comes from us. 
the devil just helps us. But it's our sin. It's our desires. It says by his own evil desire. It's our desire. The scripture says God doesn't tempt. God tests. God doesn't tempt. And God is not tempted. When we're feeling tempted, we need to own the fact that it's coming from us. And that drags us away. That's the, there's a different, oh, here he says, he has dragged away. Dragged away from what? It's dragged away from who? It's dragged away from God. So this is a slight expansion on it. So we can, yeah, you can drop that. That's fine. And this is me coming into a land. And I want you to start thinking now about what it is that God is speaking to you about. Because it says in 1 Timothy 2, it talks about God's desire. And I want to say to you that your body, your heart, your soul, your mind, they're a battlefield fighting between our flesh and our desire and God's desire that he has for us. And there's six steps I want to take us through that expand on that cycle. And step one, and this is the sad point, step one is that you notice the sin. Because you can't repent of something that you don't know about. So step one is that you see something that is not matching up with God's glory. And you're like, that's not right. And you feel a pain. You're like, there's something not right in me. There's a pain in me that differs from God's path. Something is pulling me away from what God has for me. That's step one. Step two is you stop listening. Because step one, you see it and you know it's not God, what God has for you. Step two is you go, grow numb to that little warning that, that little warning light or, or sound in your ear that's going, wake up, Ian, something's not okay. Wake up, Ian, go to God with this. And eventually, you just tune it out. And you stop listening to it. Step three, you start believing the lie. You start embracing the sinful desire Normally, this looks like you make a vow. Like, in the beginning, I knew it wasn't of God. Now I've forgotten it's not of God. Now I know this is something for me. I'm going to hold on to this thing for all it's worth. And I'm going to give you a practical example of this because it can get quite, quite theoretical. Step number four is you reinforce the lie. And this is normally based on something wonderful called empirical evidence. A study that we do in the world, it's not worth anything if you can't prove it with facts. So suddenly you start finding that there are things and people around you that reinforce what you believe. Step five is you harden your heart. Here's another scary thought. We were talking earlier about softening your heart, letting the calluses get removed. That's already step five. 
if you've hardened your heart, if you've, if you've got a hardness or a callous against something of God, you're pretty far down the line already. And then the, le- the last step is you die. Your heart dies. Your, your love towards God dies. And eventually you drift out. Because unrepentant sin will lead you on a path away from God. And the things of God will start to stop making sense. And eventually, spiritually, you will die. And this might be just in a facet, or this might be completely. Normally what happens is it'll happen in a facet. And then because you've got a a dead part of your heart, something else will take root. And collectively, eventually, your whole heart will die. And then you will drift out of the church completely. So let me give you a very practical rerun of those six steps. Um, And I'll I'll use, I was going to use a different example, but I'm going to use the example that I had this morning of frustration. Because I think it it applies to me, so it's easy for me to relate to, but I think it applies to a few of us, so I think it's a good one. So step one, you notice that you're frustrated. And you're like, oh, I know that God says that we mustn't get angry, so, but I'm just frustrated. I'm not actually angry, so I, oh, I really should do something about this tomorrow. If it's not gone, if I wake up tomorrow morning and I'm still frustrated, I'll deal with it tomorrow. And you wake up tomorrow morning and you still feel frustrated. And you wake up the next day and you still feel frustrated. And a week goes by and you're still feeling frustrated and you haven't taken it to God and you haven't told anybody yet. And then a week later, Jethro comes up to you and says, hey, how are you? I'm good. And you genuinely believe it. Because you're not hearing the warning sign anymore about your frustration. It's just become normal. I'm good. This is me. I am Ian, and I am normally frustrated. So it's okay to be frustrated. How are you, Jethro? You're Ian. I had such a bleak week. Ah, this person cut me off and that thing happened and and all sorts of things are going wrong. I'm so frustrated. Me too. Let's wallow in our frustration together. This isn't just normal for Ian. As human beings, we are called to be frustrated. And so we can all do it together. We should go and let's, Danny, you look super happy. Hasn't somebody irritated you today? (laughs) What's happening is you're moving from, you're not just not listening to the, the warning sign that this is not what God has for you, but you've stepped into believing the lie, embracing the lie, the truth of the lie, ironically, and now you're busy reinforcing it. Because misery loves company. It's amazing when you have a bad day. The, piece, the person you meet at work at the water cooler is having the same bad day. Strange, hey? That's a spiritual, that's spiritual warfare. That's the devil coming in, reinforcing the lie. Trying to show you that this is okay. It's okay to enjoy this thing. And then Eddie comes up to us and says, Ian, 
are you okay? You're looking a little bit miff. What do you mean? No, well, you just normally look a little bit happier. What's going on? No, nothing. I'm, I'm good. I'm good. But, but, like, I've been watching you and the way you're talking to people, something doesn't seem right. He's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Can we pray for you? Why? I don't need prayer. I'm good. I'm fine. If somebody offers to pray for you for something and you say, no, thank you, you're probably on step six. Because <laughs> even if they're wrong, who doesn't want more of God? So now I am landing. This is my landing, I promise. But So I wanted to, just as we, and maybe we can all close our eyes. And the question is very simple. What is God asking you to, to turn away from? Because that's what repentance is. It's turning away from something. And I'm going to read out some examples that I felt God wanted to share with us. And this is not an exhaustive list. But if one of these ticks the box, open your heart to God. If more than one of these ticks your box, that's okay. Keep your heart open. You don't have to pick one. God's big enough that he can hear all of your concerns. If you struggle with swearing, if you're struggling with lust, if you're struggling with anger or frustration, if you're struggling with tithing, if you're not tithing at the moment, or you're not even being generous, like the thought of having somebody over for lunch or somebody in your home is just pushing too many of your buttons. You're struggling with generosity. If you're struggling with asking God for advice and perspective, if you're putting your own needs first, instead of asking God what will benefit and help others, if you're struggling to even pray for other people, Jethro this morning was like, let's pray for the church in Brackenfall, and, and maybe some of your hearts were like, oh, another thing to pray for. If you're struggling to even pray for other people, if you're underestimating your capacity, you feel like you never have capacity for things. And I just want to say here, caveat, some of you are super busy and don't have capacity. I'm not saying we all need to feel that one. But if you're suddenly feeling God putting something on your heart of actually I've called you to more and you're avoiding it because you're saying you've run out of capacity. Because that's what it'll do. It'll stop you from walking in the calling of God. For some of you, you might be desiring money and wealth. You might be struggling with finances. For some of you, you might be desiring shiny things. And for some of you, you might be really enjoying the walk around the parking lot outside and looking at other people's cars and wishing they were yours and desiring other people's things. And like I said, that is not an exhaustive list. But those are some things that God put on my heart to share. So I want to ask, we're not in a rush. If that's you this morning, and it doesn't even have to be one of those things, it might be something else. If you're sitting here this morning and you're saying, I need to break off the lie 
I need to break off the vow. I need to break off and get back onto God's path. I need God to come and break off those things and bring me back to him. And you, can you put up your hands so I can see? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. So there's a lot of us, <laughs> which is amazing. Before we step into that, though, I do want to ask if there's anybody here this morning that is listening to me going, I don't know who this guy is, but I love this God he's talking about as much as I'm scared of him, and I need to give my life to him. If there's anybody here this morning that hasn't committed their lives to God, maybe once you had and you walked away, and you're needing to get back with God, I want to give you a chance to, to recommit yourself to Jesus, recommit yourself to God. So if there's anybody here this morning that is feeling that, that needs to give their heart back to God, can, can you put up your hand? I just wanted to give an op opportunity. I didn't want to miss out. If there's anybody here that's not feeling God in their lives. Okay. All right. So I'm going to ask, and I did this last week as well, but I'm going to ask those people that put up their hands now for prayer, that put up their hands now to make right with God, can you guys stand where you are? Don't be shy. There's, there's lots of you. Wherever you're at, just stand where you are. And, and this week, I'm feeling we want to do a team sport. So... For those that aren't standing, can you go and pray for the people around you that are standing? And I'm going I'm to start us off. I'm going to lead us in a bit of prayer, and then we can pray into it. But, but the reason I'm asking people to come and pray with you is not because you need to share your deepest, darkest secrets, but, but we know that in God, things are easier to break free of when we share them with somebody else, when we speak them out publicly. And so I want to, so we can just pray together. So we can all close our eyes. And you guys can say after me, Father God, I'm a sinner. Thank you that you saved me. Thank you that you sent your son for me. And because of that, there is nothing you can't fix. I open my hands to you. I give you my sin. And I ask you, Father, can you wipe it as far as the east is from the west? Can you remove it from my mind? Can you remove it from my heart? Can you remove it from my spirit? Can you wash me clean so that I can come back to you? follow you well and walk in your path. In Jesus' name, amen.